Hi, folks. Keith Jones here. You're fixing to listen to Front Row Knowles on the podcast. But before we get started, we want to thank the Champions Club and specifically Seminole Boosters for sponsoring our podcast that allows us to bring the podcast to you commercial-free. You know, we are one tribe. We are unconquered. In the last uh, few years, Florida State has built a tradition of excellence. But right now, all of us that are Seminoles are facing a challenge. We've got 20 sports programs, all the coaches, student athletes that are involved. We've got some budget cuts that we're trying to uh, work through due to the pandemic. And right now, we need you. In order to provide all of our teams and student athletes with the best possible opportunity for success, we need your help. We need you to join Seminole Boosters. We need you to renew your membership. We need you to increase your contribution. We need you to consider making a gift. We don't talk heavy-handed like this much, but this is the time to be a little heavy-handed. Help us out. Help Florida State out. Help Florida State boosters out. And most of all, we want to continue to thank the boosters and specifically the Champions Club for sponsoring us and bringing Front Row Knowles to you. Stay tuned and listen. Thanks. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Of course, it's a good day. It's your favorite day of the week. It's Wednesday. It's hump day, and it is Front Row Knowles Day. Tom and KJ with you. Keith, how are you, sir? You're doing well, doing well. How about you, Tommy? I'm doing great because what I failed to add is not only do we get together for an hour, but we get to discuss a win, and so we'll take that right now, right? No question. There is much to discuss. Obviously, Florida State has a big matchup at Notre Dame, and what happened last week doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the same will happen. It's sort of like investments, right? Past performance does not necessarily indicate future results, Keith. Is that a good way to put it? That is an excellent way to put it. (laughs) That said, that said, I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic about what my returns may be as we move forward. Shall we leave it that way? I've been cautioning everyone that if you bet on last week's game, don't bet on this one, (laughs) (laughs) unless you get a lot of points. So a couple of things just at the top, and we, we've got an interesting show, as we always do. I won't let the cat out of the bag yet, but I think you'll look, I know you'll look forward to uh, our conversations in this. So we've got the quarterback conversation. Uh, I do want to wish best wishes to President and Mrs. Thrasher after their COVID-19 diagnosis, and I know we also would like to say best wishes, thoughts, prayers to Coach Bobby Bowden, who's back in the hospital, at least as we are recording this, and, and certainly hoping for a favorable uh, outcome there, Keith. Well, and uh, I would add uh, at the federal level, the president and the folks in the White House, uh, we're seeing um, the effects of this continuing pandemic start start to hit a little bit home and um, thoughts and prayers to everybody affected by it. Yeah, well well said. Okay, so the quarterback situation, Keith, there's Jordan Travis named the starter. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of layers to this. One is, and we, you know, if he can't throw, why is he still a quarterback? Okay, well, guess what? He can actually throw the football. Uh, number two, and this is maybe more of the bigger point, we'll come back to that uh, for me. What I saw outside of athleticism and speed is just was instinct, knowing that I need a yard and a half, I'm going to get a yard and a half. It's time to lower the shoulder. And it just felt like things were in flow and in rhythm, and as a result, the receivers held their blocks longer. The running back, it just felt like everything functioned much more the way 
an offense should. Again, Jacksonville State, I get it. Your thoughts? Well, three things uh, go into, in my estimation, your quarterback. Number one, your pre-snap decisions. And we haven't had the conversation, nor have we even asked the question about how much leniency that uh, Jordan has relative to changing plays or that type of thing before the snap. Then the second thing is, do you operate and run the play correctly? Uh, Certainly, he is much better at the RPO. He's much better at the read option. Uh, He's just more instinctual that way uh, than anybody we have seen so far. And then the third part is the true intangible. Can he pay attention? Does he have good vision? Does he know where he is on the field? You know, all the situational um, analysis and situational understanding that we talk about. And back to your point, knowing when you need, um, you know, three yards uh, on second down versus three yards on third down. On second down, you get out of bounds or you lay down. On third down, you put your shoulder down and you get to the marker. And he seems to have that uh, instinctual knowledge and and ability from the get-go. I'm, for one, have not been concerned about his passing. I know our listeners have had uh, heard me talk about that ad nauseum. But what I did find interesting is during the broadcast, uh, James Bates was doing the game for uh, RSN. He actually uh, called uh, Travis's coach, who was a former Florida Gator teammate of his, and asked him, could he throw the ball? And his coach said, yeah, he throws the ball fine. There's nothing wrong with his ability to throw the ball. And you heard Kenny talk about that a little bit in the, in the comments during the week. So I think it's just a question of what you're asking him to do and what he's been able to do so far and then getting used to and accustomed to the role. I don't have any doubt about his ability to throw the ball. Can he throw it as far as James, Bay, uh, James Blackman? Probably not. Can he throw it quicker and make a better decision? Probably. No disrespect to James, but he's probably a little better in that decision-making. So uh, let's turn him loose and see what he can do. So twofold question here. I'll start with the defensive side. We, everybody that's prepared for Florida State has known that when Jordan Travis gets in the game, boy, he's electric and running the football. Now Notre Dame has tape that he can throw the football too. But not, even though this is not the traditional option, it would strike me, and you're a defender, Keith, that a defense would defeat it the same way, which is everybody has your keys, and as long as you do your job, you can be successful against it. Now, that's overly simplistic, but if you're Notre Dame defensively, how do you take away what Jordan Travis brings? Exactly what you say. I don't, I don't do anything unique. I don't think, you know, putting a spy, uh, using the spy concept uh, is, is what they'll do and need to do. Certainly, I don't think that they need to stay in zone coverage the entire time so everybody's watching and can see him when he moves out of the pocket. The biggest thing that, that – you know, Jordan brings that you can't account for defensively is can he make somebody miss? And usually we talk about that from a running back. And, you know, uh, when you, you mentioned Cam Akers last year, we talked about his yards after contact and his ability to make the first guy miss. You know, Jordan's got a little bit of that, if not a lot of that, in, in him. And, you know, you really can't outcoach that. That's just something that's innate. But I do think Notre Dame – should and will continue to do things they've done. They'll bring some pressure. There'll be times they're in zone, times they're in man. And and you just make him beat you. You don't get yourself out of what you do best. And then the follow-up was going to be, I feel like we've only scratched the surface, though, of what Florida State can do now that they know Jordan Travis is the guy. Last week he didn't practice a lot. Had he, they might have made him the starter instead of Tate. 
as it turns out, they, they might have only gone to him because it was a dire situation at that point because they weren't really sure if they were going to have him. Now you have him for the whole week. You know he's the starter. What other wrinkles can Florida State add? Well, I think the playbook's wide open. And I think what uh, Kenny Dillingham and Coach Norvell have said and what we've seen is that they'll put together a game plan that utilizes his strengths the best. So I think you'll see a lot of read option. I think you'll see a lot of RPO and much less drop back than if Tate was in there or if Blackman was in there. So they'll, they'll design a game plan around his strengths. And I think, you know, there are some positives. By no means do I think Florida State's going to go up there and, and actually win this ball game. It, they can, but it would, be, it would be a miracle. But you saw the receivers catching the ball better. As you mentioned, you saw them blocking better. You know you've got three tailbacks that each bring us a little bit of a different um, aspect, but they're all confident. I mean, you're, you're starting to gain a little confidence that this offense can be what we saw Memphis do last year, but now doing it with a Florida State sticker on their helmet. And I mean, I'm excited about that because, as we talked about, the biggest thing you want in 2020 is just improvement. You're not, you're not worried about one loss record. You're just wanting to go out every week and get a little better. And find out who's going to be in the trenches with you as you move forward in future years, i.e. This, this guy, we're going to go to battle with this guy. You mentioned the make you miss for Jordan Travis. He certainly has that, and that's on top of the fact that the quarterback is somebody the defense doesn't, you know, if it's a pocket passer, they're not having to account for him in the run game. But that's winning your one-on-one -on -one battle, if you will. You know, make a play, make a guy miss. Well, that, as we flip it to the defensive side, that's the biggest question, Keith. Where, As we look at this, we all thought that the sum of the parts would be greater than what we've seen thus far. Now, we're three games in. Uh, there, is, there is time to grow. They're still moving some parts around. Adam Fuller has said they're looking for guys to emerge at certain positions. But at some point, you have to win a one-on-one -on -one battle and make a play. No question. Two parts there from my uh, observation. Number one – players haven't done that. And that includes Marvin Wilson. That includes uh, Amari. That includes, uh, you know, people in the secondary. But remember, you haven't had Nazardine back there. Kendo has been out. There's other people that have been nicked up. Cooper, we don't know if we're going to have him this week or not. So you've not been playing with all of uh, the people that you were counting on. So you're playing with youngsters, and they're going to make mistakes. They're going to make a, a wrong step. They're going to fill a wrong gap. Uh, they're going to, you know, line up a yard wider than they were supposed to. And despite what he says, and I'm not challenging him, but I think Coach Fuller in private would acknowledge that he hasn't been as aggressive either as he would like to have been or he's been able to be because of personnel. And I think you'll see that continue to get a little better or a little more – better is not the right word – a little more in terms of his calls – because he's been trying to protect, as any coach would, again, not a criticism, he's done what he needs to do, but he's been trying to protect from giving up the big play because he's not as confident as he wants to be that people are going to be in the right place. That will continue to get better as the weeks go ahead, starting with Notre Dame, in my opinion. When you say aggressive, I think most think bring more than four, i.e. blitz. Is that what you Correct. mean specifically? Or Correct. are you talking That's... about walking your corners up too or everything you do or what define aggressive? Well, first of all, it's bringing more than four. And secondly, it's playing more of what I traditionally call man coverage, bump and run. I mean, you can play man coverage backed off. Nothing says you can't do that. 
but I'm talking, you know, the Deion Sanders, Terrell Buckley type of walk up in their face and make them beat you off the line. Well, that's how you give up big plays if you don't execute that well. And I think as Coach Fuller's confidence in his defensive backs gets better over time, remember, first-year coach, only three spring practices, uh, he doesn't know who he can trust still yet. And, and I get that, and I acknowledge that. But both, bringing more than four and walking people up and playing in, in, the fa- in their face, uh, you know, I think you'll see more and more of that as we go forward. Specific to the corners, is there a middle ground between press man in your face and seven yards off the line of scrimmage, i.e., can you be three yards off, or is that a losing proposition both ways, short and deep? I, I'm sure there is, and there's all kinds of techniques out there, many that I don't even know about. But my answer to that, Tom, if you're asking me specifically, if I was the defensive backs coach, I line them up in their face, and then prior to the snap, I back them off. And the reason I like doing that is because you're moving. You know, way back in the day when we had, um, you know, leather helmets and no face mask, one of the things that Jack Stanton, our defensive coordinator, who we uh, who passed away a couple, three years ago, uh, weeks ago, rather, um, was fortunate enough to be at his funeral last week. We did a read step right at the snap. We were moving our feet. And people have just kind of gotten away from that. So direct answer to your question, I walk them up, I give them one look, and right before the snap, I back them off. Or – I line up at seven and play, but that's just me. Well, but what that would do, if you're the quarterback and the corner's not walked up and is seven yards off, you know you've got the easy throw right away. But if the corner is walked up, you might not know until you snap the ball or, or right at the last minute. So uh, it, it does create a little bit more confusion or it forces a decision that maybe hasn't been forced so far. Just make them think. That's all, you know, you talk about getting them off the spot and making them make an early decision. All that goes into that formula. That said, and the parts have not all been there. Kendo was back last game, but he had missed the previous seven quarters, the Miami game and three quarters against Georgia Tech. Robert Cooper now is out. Marvin Wilson was out the first half last week. Are these guys up front – and I'm speaking collectively, we can have the discussion about the tackles versus the ends. Are they not as talented as we thought? Are they not in shape? Are they not as confident in the scheme yet? I thought there would be more winning at the line of scrimmage than what we're seeing. I think it's the latter. I think it's their understanding and comfortable, uh, being comfortable with the system. Uh, They're plenty talented. We'll find that out when the NFL draft comes around uh, next April or May or whenever they do it. and, and the, I don't think they're out of shape. I think they're in shape. But remember, Tommy, defensively, that, that just that little bit of hesitation, whether you're DL, linebacker, defensive back, just that little bit of doubt causes all kinds of problems. And in, less than until they get completely comfortable with that system, which takes time, then I would say that's the reason we haven't seen the dominating type of performances that we would want. I know that in a perfect world, everybody would be so mentally strong that whatever else is happening around them would not be a factor, i.e., if the offense is struggling, doesn't affect my job. I'm going to cover this guy and do it to the best of my ability. But the reality is, in practice, it doesn't play out that way, Uh, not meaning Tuesday, Wednesday practice. Just in general, it doesn't necessarily equate. So how much of a difference does it make, can it make for a defense that – they don't feel like they have to be the offense too, i.e. now we see the offense is having success and scoring points. Can I just relax and play and do my job a little bit better? 
Well, both sides feed off of each other. And in fact, the offense and the defense will feed off of the, of the special teams. I mean, you get a, you get a, a punt return, uh, you know, uh, for 25 yards, you get a kickoff return for 40 yards. That has great impact on both sides of the ball. So yes, all that feeds off of each other. And we have to go back to the overriding thing that you and I've talked a lot about is that, you know, we need a spark. This team needs a spark, something to make them believe in themselves because that, that not knowing how to win thing, however that, you know, uh, you know, matters, this team isn't there yet. They don't, they don't believe in themselves yet. They need that type of spark as well. So it all goes hand in hand. And, and you've heard Coach Norvell, you've heard the coordinators, you've heard all the staff talk about that uh, and the need to, to get better at that. And once that starts happening, it snowballs. Uh, that's just the way team sports are, particularly sports like football where you got 11 people that got to be on the same page at any one time. We are just getting started on Front Row Nose. Full show ahead. Bob Ferrante is going to join us and uh, a former FSU baseball player who might have a connection to the starting quarterback for FSU joins us next. Front Row Knowles continues momentarily. You got me running, going out of my mind. You got me thinking that I'm wasting my time. Don't bring me down. No, 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 no. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and Keith Jones with you as we continue the conversation about Florida State football. Who better to break that down? Then a former Florida State baseball player, Devin Travis, who joins us now via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Hey, Devin, how are you? Tom, Keith, I'm good. How y'all doing? Doing great. You know, uh, we're going to talk about your brother, obviously, but let's talk about you first. Uh, you know, are you, are, you still, are you still chasing the, the pro ball dreams, or is that ship sailed for you now? I, I know you've had injury problems at the big league level. I hate to start on that note, but just kind of update our, our listeners and the FSU fans where you are. Yeah, it, uh, it's definitely been a long, tough road. Uh, injuries have kind of been the, the, the things that have snake bit me really throughout my career, and uh, I'm still chasing after it. Um, I, uh, I know I'd be remiss long term if I didn't drop every every ounce of my, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, and you know everything that I've, you know, chased after my whole life. Everything I've always wanted to be uh, was a baseball player, and uh, it's been tough. Uh, my knees still grinding a bit. I still go to rehab almost every day, but um, yeah, I'm gonna keep chasing after it, and hopefully, I can get healthy enough by spring training. And if not, uh, unfortunately, it might be time to uh, to check out what's next. Well, I think you're smart. You don't want to ten years from now, twenty years from now, you don't want to say I should have given it, you know, one more ounce of energy. So, so exhaust everything you've got right now. I do want to comment just anecdotally, Devin, that I always enjoyed when you and I spent some time together because I was announcing the games when you were playing for Mike Martin. And uh, you were one of the most personable, always smiling, uh, fun to be around players. And I appreciated that. And I hope that you still have that, even though you've been battling some adversity in terms of injuries. Um, what, what do you miss about your Florida State days? Yeah, I appreciate that, Tom. I, uh, I tell everybody and, and 
most people, I don't want to say don't believe me, but they find it hard to believe is I would, I would trade, you know, I had five years in the big leagues and I, I would trade every single second of that. If someone could promise me that I could be a career long um, college athlete, I, I truly believe that it's the purest form of baseball. It's the purest form of, of, of friendship and, and, and teamsmanship and, you know, every single day you, you suit up in a Seminoles uniform. You know, we looked at, you know, what was around us in that locker room and, and all the visits to Omaha and, and being able to play for 11 and, and being able to play behind so many guys that um, have really created and, and, and turned Florida State into to what it is. Um, I would trade anything to go back. I mean, me, Sherman Johnson, Jace Boyd, uh, Hunter Scantling, James Ramsey, I, I think about my memories on the field and, 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 and not so many of them are, are, are accomplishments. It's more so the, the relationships that we've built um, and their lifelong relationships. And, you know, that's something that's hard to find in baseball. And FSU has always done such a big and great job of, of preaching family and what that means. And um, I know for me, that's why, um, you know, I literally bleed the garnet and gold and, talking bad about FSU is like talking bad about my mom. And um, now that my little brother's there, um, it's really just extended my love and passion for it. So I miss everything about it, man. I'd, I'd do anything to be able to play one more game in front of, in front of those fans. Devin, have you been able to maintain contact with meat? Uh, are you able to uh, converse with, you know, any of the kids that are in the program? Is that connectivity continuing on for you in any way? You know, I, I talked to 11. Um, he's really, I know throughout my career, I would always get just pop-up messages where, whether it was after, after a game, um, after a season, before a season, uh, 11 just always has the, he has a special gift of connecting with people as you guys know, in a way that, that most people don't. And, um, he could say two words and it could be good luck with an exclamation mark and you could feel it. Um, so we've all, we've kept, we've kept our relationship pretty strong throughout. I wish that, uh, I, I was more in touch with, uh, the baseball program. However, um, it's hard, you know, you, you move on to pro ball and, and your life is consumed by, by the day-to-day -day grind, whether, whether it's in the minor leagues or the big leagues, it's, it's a grind. And, and mentally, you know, you're really in a place that now that I'm haven't played baseball in about a year, I can see how different, you know, my mentality was when you're playing every day. You literally kind of go in almost an outer space type of zone where um, you kind of breathe, eat, and sleep, you know, baseball. So um, I haven't done – well, we haven't kept the best of relationships up, up there. And, and they're great relationships. We just haven't kept in touch as much as um, I would have liked. Um, but I know I don't really ever miss an FSU baseball game uh, – when I have the opportunity to watch it. We're talking with Devin Travis. Devin, a little while ago, you mentioned your little brother or your younger brother. Uh, so let's, let's shift the conversation there. First, how, how big is the age gap between, uh, you, you know, I mean, you're, you're not a spring chicken anymore, but what's the age gap? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, shoot, I'm 29. I turned 30 next year and Jordan just turned uh, 20 this year. So uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's, it's, I'm just, so excited I, that I, you know, I get to 
see him come out of a locker room on Saturday in that, in that uniform. And I know how much it's, you know, how much he's really wanted to play for FSU since, you know, my days, I think he was, I was 18. So he was nine years old when I started at FSU and, um, and between him and my younger sister, they, you know, they really have, have breathed and, and lived the Garnet and Gold culture um, since they were just little kids. So it's just awesome to see him living out his dream. How awesome was it for you and the, the rest of the family last week when he, I'm assuming you were watching the game. If you weren't, you've tuned in immediately to just have that moment and enjoy what you were seeing on the field. That was so awesome. That was so awesome. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of, of Florida State first and, and foremost. And, and, you know, it was just really cool to, to see that energy kind of light into the stadium and light into the football team. And, and uh, obviously with it being my little brother, um, that's just um, icing on the cake. I mean, I, I am more nervous when my brother goes in the game than any other at bat or game I've ever suited up for in my life. So um, I'm on the edge of my seats. I know that the, the, my family's on the edge of their seat and, uh, it's just special, man. It's, it's, uh, I know how much it means to him. And, and I don't know if this is getting old or what, but I, I get, I get just a crazy feeling watching someone that, you know, I love my little brother, the, the kid who used to go to my games when he was just a kid. And now I kind of get to spin it back, uh, you know, kind of spin the, spin the tables back and I get to go and, and put on my FSU gear and, and I get to be a fan and I get to sit back and I get to, uh, you know, watch the team that I love and, and, and watch my brother, um, you know, try to try to lead these teams, to, this team to victory. So it's really cool. Devin, one of the conversations that will be going on, and we're going to let you clear it up. You're going to be the arbitrator here. But Devin has seen, uh, excuse me, Jordan has seen a limited time and he's, he's mainly run the ball. I, for one, have said, others have said, including uh, his coach, and the high school level, that he can throw the football. So you, you set us straight. How good is that arm and how accurate is he with a football in his hands? You know, I, I'm a baseball guy, right? And, 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 I, and I almost love watching football more than, than, than baseball. And I've watched my brother grow up and, and play football throughout his life. And he's always – I've thought his strength was throwing the ball. Um. Listen, I, I want Jordan to, to, to have the opportunity to go out and, and, and prove whatever it is the naysayers have to say, right? And, and I think being an athlete, I'm, I'm, it's the norm that, that they're always – people are always going to find something to say bad about you. I mean, Pat Mahomes is, is about the most perfect athlete slash quarterback that's, um, you know, that's out there. And, and – there's critics after the game with the Patriots that um, Patrick's Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes had a sluggish game. So, uh, n- and that's not me comparing my brother to Patrick Mahomes by any means, because he is nowhere close. However, um, the naysayers are kind of all out there and, and I want my brother just to have the opportunity to, to show everybody. I, I can very confidently say that I have seen my brother throw a football very well throughout his entire life. I got to the point where I kind of got caught up reading things and I even had to message my brother and say, Jordan, listen, can you not throw? Cause <laughs> I've never known any different. Um, and, and to be honest, I think that, that these kids with social media, I probably could 
confidently say that he probably started to believe that he couldn't throw. And, and as an athlete, when you kind of get caught up in that social media stuff and you see the negativity and, 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 and you get to read how people feel about you and maybe the things that they, they don't have to positively say about you, you can kind of run yourself down a, a, a hole that you can kind of start throwing worse if you believe that you can't throw. And I'm just happy he, he, he's got the opportunity now. And, and as an athlete and as a human period in life, all we ever asked for is an opportunity. And um, I look forward to, to, to watching him prove that he can throw the ball. Um, that's just my biggest thing. I, I'm supporting him. I'm pushing him forward. Um, but just like everyone else, I'm, I'm a fan and I want to see him succeed. And I know all the fans that even doubt him want to see him succeed. And um, I look forward to that. Devin, forget the arm and, and the legs and what ability he has or doesn't have. It's been a long time since we saw somebody smiling and having fun while on the field for FSU football. And you could see that. Uh, just as the way I commented that you were always very personable and affable uh, back when you were playing for FSU. Is that just the demeanor and the nature of the Travis family? Uh, to, to whom do we owe that kind of disposition? <laughs> uh, you know, I, it, it was so cool to, to, to see him smiling and, and having fun out there, you know, sitting at the game and watching it live. You don't really get to see that stuff. I mean, I could see that he had a pep in his step, and I, and I know he's been sitting there keeping his mouth shut and, and, and doing his best not to have to say anything publicly on the fact that he can throw a football and, and, and he can go out there and get the job done. Um, I, I think that that, that was a, probably a combination of, of, of that plus the kid grew up every Saturday, you know, next to, to me and my family and listening to me scream at the TV and, and throw the remote at, at FSU football. And I think that's, this is maybe a, a culmination of, of all of that together and, and you get to see the product that that's out there and, and having fun in sports is, is a big thing that's forgotten. It's, it's, and, and this is what I talk about when you, when you talk about college sports, it's, it's the, the truest and the purest joy of, of sports. And I've always smiled, you know, my, my father and mother have always been a big proponent and, and I don't care what mood you're in. I don't care how well you're playing when someone's, when someone turns on that TV they may only see your face one time and whether you're oh, you haven't completed a pass in your last 20 passes or you're 20 for 20 with six touchdowns, that person may only see you on that TV that one time. And you better never let anybody know whether on TV or in the stands that you're struggling. And um, I think he's always done a good job of that. And that's kind of been a reason why he's been able to have success um, throughout his life. Devin, we'll let you get going here in a couple couple moments. I really appreciate the insight. We're talking with Devin Travis. So I'm curious, did he play baseball at all growing up, or did you play football? I know you, you – I mean, baseball you said was your love and you started early, but did you guys mix the other sports in? You know, I, I dreamt of being a, a, a football player, and, and I wanted to play really my whole life. And my dad um, played college football at Syracuse, and um, he – guy probably for the hits I don't know but he would never let me play football I his little boy wasn't going to go out on the football field and get hurt he said that he always saw something special in me um on the baseball field and my dad literally I played flag football up until tackle football was starting and my dad never would allow me so the running joke was you let Jordan play football um but me no way uh, Jordan played football, baseball really young, and 
one of the coolest stories, and I'll try to keep it quick because I probably talk too much, but my brother was like six or seven, eight years old. He was a pretty okay baseball player. Um, Jordan's also a hell of a lot bigger than me, and we got the same mom and dad. I don't know where he came from or where I came from, but um, he told my dad at a young age that, that he's not Devin, and, and, and he's going to, you know, he's going to create his own, he's going to create his own legacy or his own road, whatever you want to call it, and that was the last day he ever played baseball, so um, he's always had a strong personality. He's always really believed heavily in um, what it is he wanted to do, and uh, I'm just happy he stuck with it. Devin, it is great to catch up. We'll let you get running, but good luck to you as you try to, to make it back. Uh, I know you'll land on your feet. If it's not back in the bigs, it'll be doing something else, but uh, it's always good to connect. Appreciate your fandom. Uh, I think listeners and fans appreciate when they hear former players who are every bit as vested in their university as what they are. So to hear you convey that, I mean, that's, that's impactful. But, but thanks and congratulations on the success you've had. Tom, Keith, thank you guys so much. And, uh, yeah, go nose, baby. Go nose. Get, get that wheel, uh, get that knee healthy. Uh, we want to watch you uh, come next year. <laughs> oh, man. I hope so, man. I miss it. Every damn day I miss it. So I hope so. Thank you, guys. All right. Devin Travis, uh, obviously older brother of Jordan Travis. We can come back and react to that. Uh, just a, a good, high-quality individual. Had a great career at Florida State. Uh, has had great success at the big league level. Un unfortunately, it's been shortened by by injuries but uh, again we'll we'll step aside come back and react this is front row Knowles. front row Knowles is brought to you by the osceola dedicated to fsu sports and fan experiences sign up for a free trial at the osceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS back on front row Knowles, tom and kj will reopen the earl bacon agency hotline the earl bacon agency ensuring your future together and bob you got big shoes to fill because devin travis just hit it out of the park as he always does uh Good guy, quality player, quality individual. And in this case, just happy to be a, a big brother to watch the story that's emerged for Florida State, which is his younger brother, Jordan Travis. And I guess that's where, where we'll begin the discussion. Uh, it was looking pretty bleak early in the second quarter last week, Bob. And then suddenly things changed. And I'll let you take it from there. Your, your impressions watching that unfold. Yeah, we can qualify all of this by saying, yes, it was an FCS opponent. But, man, Jordan Travis brought the energy that a team – was sorely lacking and had to have. I mean, you're down 14-0 at home. You're starting to question, where's this game going? And, and Jordan really brought it with his legs, with his arm. And, yeah, I, I think a, a lot of people question some of those passes. Were they a little bit underthrown? But, hey, he completed them. He was a spark that that offense needed. And it, it reached over, I think, to the defense, too. And it, it kind of brought back that that positivity that this team has really just been lacking for, for the first two games. and. And they got that W on Saturday. How big is just winning, Bob? I mean, just I don't care what you're doing. Just being able to finally win a ball game. Yeah, and again, I think everybody's going to say, well, it was just Jacksonville State. I mean, do you really celebrate that much? I, I, I think you have to celebrate quite a bit, especially on Saturday and Sunday, but, but also, like everybody else, look at that film and move on and get ready for the next opponent. I, I think this is a team that just hasn't had enough wins 
you know, like Asante Samuel Jr. said after the game, they hadn't won since Alabama State. And and so so wins are, are just few and far between for a program that's still kind of finding itself. And and it's a it's a definite positive, but but now you gotta channel that success and, and refocus on the practice field and get ready because these next three games are are definitely not gonna be easy. You're facing some great quarterbacks, some great offenses that can that can really Put up some numbers. True, and but you're not playing all three games at once. You're playing one, and you're a heavy underdog against Notre Dame. But the fact that maybe, and I know Notre Dame's got a tremendous defense, the, the fact that you could get both units and all three, if you count special teams, working in complement, i.e. the defense doesn't have to pitch a shutout if the offense can score three or four touchdowns, and that may not be enough to beat Notre Dame, but there has to be some benefit there. What do you, what do you make of – the offensive side of things going against that Notre Dame defense this week? I really like what Jordan Travis brings, not just with his legs. And, and again, he's not the ideal passer. He might be the fourth best passer on the roster, quite frankly. But if he throws the ball in rhythm, if he's got a great connection with the receivers, if he brings the energy, if he can do a little bit of option running with, with Corbin or Toa Feely, Web anybody in the run game, it kind of opens up the playbook. And I think that gives you a wealth of options to throw at Notre Dame and to keep that defense on its heels. This game, unfortunately, has the feel of one where Florida State's going to have to put up some points to try and keep up with Notre Dame just because what we've seen with the Irish, they've put up points against Duke and South Florida. They've got a really explosive run game. Um, you know, something we've talked about is that Mike Norvell is trying to shorten games by emphasizing the ground attack. And we saw Florida State, I believe, had the time of possession about 34, 35 minutes against Jacksonville State. So that's a really smart strategy is to kind of ground it out and, and have these prolonged drives if possible, just to, to relieve some of that pressure off of your defense because you know the talent that's on that opposite sideline that's coming at you. There we go again, Tommy. He can't throw the ball. He can't throw the ball. He's the worst passer out there. <laughs> that's been the theme of our conversations, and everybody else we've talked to has said, you know, he throws the ball pretty well. He just hadn't had very many opportunities. I, I think he might get an opportunity come Saturday night. I, I like what he can do as a passer, but I don't want to oversell it and say he is a top-notch power five thrower of the football. I think his strength is a guy who can, um, you know, Pat Burnham made this point early on in the game. When Jordan Travis had success throwing the ball, what was he doing? He was doing play action, which kind of freezes the safeties a little bit. And then he's able to roll out and throw well on the run. So what he does is he's just not that guy who's going to stand in the pocket. He's able to roll, look, kind of examine half the field, see what he sees, and and throw it. And again, he did have that terrible interception against Miami, but no turnovers against Jacksonville State. So we are seeing a guy who's learning and progressing. Mike Norvell has mentioned his mechanics are improving, his footwork. So this is, this is a guy who's still a very young quarterback. He's a redshirt sophomore. But as far as just snaps and playing time, he's, he's kind of almost younger. He just hasn't had as many prolonged opportunities in games yet to, to throw. 
it's already being painted, Bob, as if Jordan is just kind of a placeholder or a seat filler until Chubba Purdy's ready. Is that first? I'll stop there. Is that how you interpret this? Is that your opinion, or is that completely selling Jordan short? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it is selling Jordan short because at the moment he is the right guy for this offense, and and Chuba with the injury, who knows? Who knows if he never had that injury, how far along he'd be, how much of the offense he'd know because of all the practice time. We won't know. Is Chuba eventually the guy? Sure, why not? Let's. It's a great. It's a great conversation, but it's just he missed so much time. And then that's my second question. So now Chubba has been painted as a better version of Jordan in that he can throw better. He's bigger. He can run just as well. Is that fair to Chubba? I mean, we've built him up. Have, have we seen him on the field yet? Other than exactly. one scrimmage highlight? <laughs> exactly. I, I think the what we fall in love with as a, as a fan or, or media when looking at Chubba is he has – the build from a strength and conditioning standpoint, he looks college ready. We think he can take hits and bounce back. Whereas Jordan Travis has taken hits and, and at times, frankly, you know, he's, he's been dinged up here and there and had to miss a little bit of practice time. So you don't know if, if a guy like Jordan Travis can take those hits consistently and bounce back game to game. Do we know if Chubb is ready, if he's going to be the next whatever quarterback I think every Florida State fan is probably looking for that next true freshman because they see well Georgia Tech has Jeff Sims well North Carolina has Sam Howell yes those guys were connected to Florida State as commits but when you see productive true freshmen around the country you start to wonder well is the guy on Florida State's roster going to be the next one who can step in and do that same thing and energize this offense and, and until we really see it, we just don't have a true answer. Talking with but our it Osceola. makes for good conversation. Makes for good conversation. Our Osceola insider is Bob Ferrante. I encourage you to subscribe. Jerry Kutz had a great column this week, uh, as he always does. But it was, it was sort of about just the morale. We started with this about the shot in the arm that just a win can bring, even if it's against Jacksonville State. Okay, we've put off asking about the defense long enough, Bob. So now I'm going to ask you about the defense. And uh, I asked KJ this as well, but to me, the biggest mystery is the defensive line. And I'll just stop there. What, what gives in your opinion? I'd be curious for, for KJ's thoughts, but I'll just give you my. Oh, we're having some, we're having some zoom issues with they have to get rid of that ball in two and a half, three seconds to neutralize Florida state's, pass rush I think they know the secret is just get the ball out fast because of full concerns at linebacker etc and that's a frustration if you're a pass rusher whether you're on the inside or the outside you're going to be rushing play after play after play until you have to go to the sideline and get the next team in you're going to be frustrated because you're never going to get anyway it's anywhere it's like you're playing running in quicksand. And I, I have to wonder how much frustration is setting in with the pass rush if it doesn't get home just because quarterbacks are getting that ball out so fast. It, it frustrates you up front. It frustrates your secondary as far as, you know, hey, I'm, I'm not getting any help. 
they're not pointing fingers, but they know they're just not able to get any help. And, and that's the thing that just kind of drives everybody crazy with this team. We thought this pass rush was going to be whatever word dominant, very good, one of the best in the country. And so far it's just two sacks from the defensive front four. It just hasn't been productive. How much of it is not living up to expectation? How much of it is offensive coordinators and quarterbacks are, are just out scheming Florida State? So I think we just have to watch that moving forward. In answer to my thought, uh, and I'm, I expressed this earlier, I think also some of it has to do with the defensive front, and, and I'll include the linebackers as well, being totally confident in their system. They've only been running it since fall camp. And when you're hesitant, just the least bit hesitant, that completely takes you off your game. And I hope, my thought is that they will, and my hope is that they will get better at it as they get more comfortable in the system. You can say you know it in the tape room, in the segment room, but until you get out there and do it on the field from a repetitious standpoint, repetitions, um, you're going to be a little hesitant. And he, who is, he who hesitates loses in this game. I, I think there's a, a lot of truth there for sure. And, and when do we see it? You know, how much time does it take for that comfort level to set in? How much of a factor was it that they lost 12 spring practices and, you know, you just lose time in the off season implementing your scheme and not having those scrimmages and the spring game and such. I do think things are going to get slightly better as far as the pass rush and the defenses play just because of comfort. But then again, at the same time, you start looking at the opponents that are coming ahead and the quarterbacks that are going to be facing Florida state. And, and you, you say it's going to have to get better or it's the results are just going to be very one-sided potentially. Bob, while we're on defense, any thought on whether we're going to see Robert Cooper or Travis Jay back this weekend or Hamza for that matter? Yeah, I think these are the, the, the three big questions that we're all kind of curious about. And Mike Norvell has been, you know, reluctant to address will a guy be ready or not. So Travis Jay was on the sideline on crutches. Robert Cooper has arm in a sling. Hamsa Nasruddin, they've consistently said he won't go until he's 100% coming back off that knee injury. I think with Hamsa, the one thing we have to remember is, you know, this is a, a difference maker and a racer in the secondary. But that knee injury was very late in November in the Florida game. He's just not quite back yet. He's kind of behind as far as that rehab. So the big question is just, is when I think it's eventually going to happen, but when do these guys come back against Notre Dame? I, for some reason, I'm, I'm just not confident in any of those three based on, um, you know, just the optics of when you see a guy on the sideline on crutches, you see a guy with their arm in a sling, you start to think about it's weeks before they get back or, or potentially months. Bob, Remind me, I've got a non-football question I have to get to when we finish up, but I'll go one more on the football side. What do you think the offensive line is going to look like this week? Are we going to have Darius back? Is Dante Lucas going to be back in there? Uh, I, I hate – well, I don't hate, but it seems odd for me to say that they actually have options because that wasn't a place we thought we'd be. But uh, how do you think they'll line up this week? You know, the one positive from all that, it, it sounds like, Dante Lucas has learned from dressing out and watching on the sideline and not playing on Saturday. I think Mike Norvell is very happy with how Dante has responded. So there was a lot of shuffling already when you didn't have Lucas in the lineup. 
and that brought out Vaselli. And then Devontae Love-Taylor moves inside. Robert Scott is a first-time starter at tackle. So the achievement is they're quickly finding eight guys that they think can really help them. And so moving forward, yeah, Florida State may have found eight. I think if you reinsert Lucas in as a guard, right or left side, if Washington's able to go, it's a it's a huge positive. And if not, you probably have to put Devontae Love-Taylor back out there at left tackle and, and keep Robert Scott at right tackle. So, yeah, they're developing options. That's a real, real positive. Um, and, and honestly, a lot of praise to Alex Atkins because he adjusted on the fly, just like Norvell had to, you know, going from Tate Rodemaker to Jordan Travis. Alex Atkins was constantly adjusting on the fly throughout practice and on Saturday in that game to make sure that, that they had five guys in there who knew that what they were doing, and they were help, help, able to help the offense move too. All right, Bob, I didn't even ask Keith this question, but we'll finish up. When I say non, uh, it's not just non-FSU, it's non-sports, but I have a feeling you'll have a good answer for this. So we lost the GOAT yesterday in Eddie Van Halen. So uh, give me your top Van Halen song or memory. And I don't even know that you're a Van Halen fan, but I know how old you are, so I'm going to guess you got an answer to this. You know, Van Halen was not my favorite band, although I, I really enjoyed, you know, Jump. There were so many great songs, you know, just – between Eddie Van Halen and, and David Lee Roth and the whole band. Um, you know, kind of one of those 80s hair bands that, that brings you back to the good old days. And, you know, it's uh, just good memories, good songs. I'm disappointed, Bob. I had you I had you typecast wrong. Keith, I didn't give you a chance to weigh in because last time we talked music, you told me about going to a Chicago concert. So you were in the heyday of Van Halen. Do you have anything you can add here? Well, two things. Number one, I, I, I enjoyed when Hagar – replace DLR. Uh, I know a lot of people were upset about that, but I mean, this segment is just going downhill in a hurry. I thought he did a great job. And number two, I I had a puppy dog crush on Valerie Bertinelli from day one uh, of her television career. So when he married her, uh, you know, Eddie, Eddie was all right in my book. This is why I'm not a lawyer, because I would not have asked a question that I didn't know the answer to, because I certainly wouldn't have wasted our time with the last five minutes we just had. The, cor- the correct answer is anything off Fair Warning or Van Halen 1, and hopefully our producer, Matthew, can mix, up so- mix in some eruption. Maybe you really got me as we go to break and try to pick up the pieces in our last segment of this show. Stay with us. on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. Still disappointed the way we finished up that last segment, but I guess I have to turn the page. I bet if I went to Ron, talked to he and his staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, I'd get a better answer about that than what I just got from you two last segment. Well, they are very talented, and uh, you're probably right. They would be able to shine much better than Bob and I did. <laughs> All right, a few minutes to go, Keith. 
Florida State goes to Notre Dame. We were up there two years ago, and frankly, that game was over about the moment we set foot outside, and it was 18 degrees or whatever it was. And then they kicked off, and it was downhill from there. So from that regard, anything other than that will be an improvement. But on a more serious note, what do you think is realistic to expect this weekend? Well, again, it sounds simplistic, and, and, and I guess it is, but improvement. I mean, I'm really not going to be paying too much attention to the scoreboard. I don't, I want, I don't want it to be 52 to 10 or 52 to 17. But if Florida State can continue to move the ball offensively, if they can do a few more things creatively, defensively, and get a stop every now and then, I, I just want to see the opposing team punt some more, you know, um, then I'm going to be happy. If they conduct themselves, if they compete, if they don't quit, if they're still playing hard in the fourth quarter. Now, that's not to say they can't win this ballgame. You can get hot. You can have a couple of explosive plays, and Florida State has not had near as many as, as Coach Dillingham and Coach Norville candidly expect to have. They, they, they think they're going to have two or three explosive plays in every ballgame. You get some of those, you get a turnover, you get a stop, you get a punt return, a kickoff return of significance. You know, you can hang in a ball game like that. But conventional wisdom simply says you're going to go up there and play a really good team. And what I'm looking for is continued improvement. Well, and that's been the mantra all year. We want to see continued improvement. Last week we saw it. Can they build on it this week? It was sobering, frankly, to hear Bob's comment last segment that it had been since Alabama State that FSU won a football game. I mean, now, not like there's been 100 games since then, but there's been enough you'd like to win one, right? Yeah. I mentioned attending Jack Stanton's funeral, and and one of my teammates – in fact, a bunch of my teammates were there. Uh, Three of the four of us that started our junior year in the backfield were there. The only one that wasn't was Monk, and and obviously he passed away four years ago. But Ivor Joe and and, – Hunter and uh, Bobby Butler were there. And I was talking with Bobby because, you know, Jack left Florida State and became the defensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons for two years. And Bobby was telling me about how disheartened he had gotten his first couple of years in Atlanta because they weren't winning. He, he was a first-round draft pick. He was making good money for the day. But he was so used to winning at Florida State and he was so used to winning at Delray when he was in high school that he gets to the professional level and they're not winning, they're losing. And he said he almost quit. He he got so frustrated. Well, that's what losing does. And that's also what winning does. When you get on a roll and you start winning some ball games and you start gaining that confidence, uh, as we talked in the first segment, when the, the offense is picking up the defense and the defense is picking up the offense and special teams is picking up both, you know, it all breeds and, and works off of each other. And that's what this team needs. They need some success, whether it be a successful drive, a successful stop, or winning a ball game. Well, they had a lot of a lot of that, or at least a majority of that, in the in the Jacksonville State game. Well, now you may not win the ball game at Notre Dame, but you can still have some success driving the ball, making stops, and that type of thing. And you know. We say in, in my business, in the insurance business, that production solves all problems. You go out and write some insurance, generate some commissions, that makes a lot of your problems go away in business. Winning solves a lot of problems too, and that's what this team needs. They need to find and continue to find ways to win and then build upon that. 
Well, it's going to be a tall challenge against Notre Dame this week, but uh, you're right. You're right. And hopefully, even though it was Jacksonville State, I feel like we all have to put that asterisk in every time we talk about it. Hopefully it is something you can build on uh, and continue to get better. I'm excited to see. I do think, and we talked about Alex Atkins last segment with Bob, I think you got to commend the job he's done on the offensive line. I think there's there's promise there. Uh, I think Ontario Wilson's a guy, Pokey Wilson. We don't talk about him very much. We we talk about Tamari and Terry. Pokey Wilson had a great game Did. last week. Uh, you know, and defensively, Asante Samuel II is leading the country in interceptions. And I know that doesn't necessarily equate to the defense getting the stops we want, but there are some good parts and pieces. We just we just need that confidence to grow and 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 continue to make improve, make strides. I mean, it sounds redundant, but that's what we're looking for. That is the focus when you're rebuilding. You know, we went so many years with just reloading that, you know, we're now in, in that rebuilding phase. And uh, as you and I have talked uh, both on the air and privately, you know, it took five or six years to get here. You know, it wasn't just uh, Coach Taggart. There were a couple of years that uh, we can, um, you know, point some fingers legitimately at Coach Fisher. Uh, so it took a while to get here. You're not going to get back overnight. It's going to take a while to get back. Uh, we just have to be patient. We, that doesn't mean we settle. That doesn't mean that we throw up our hands and quit. Uh, but we do have to be patient. Keith, I think we're finished. I won't ask you any more Van Halen memories. We'll just end the show, and I'll see you again next week. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy. <laughs> Play some happy trails, Matthew. He's Keith. I'm Tom. This is Front Row Knowles. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just Sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to the bum, 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 bum,